This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Hello and welcome to the Shakti Hour podcast on Ram Dass's Be Here Now Network. I'm your host, Melanie Moser, and today sharing a delightful conversation with Jamie Cato, director of Becoming Nobody, the recently released documentary on Ram Dass's life and teachings. Jamie is a musician, director, filmmaker, writer, and teacher, and we had a wonderful conversation about his relationship with Ram Dass and how he came to know him some thoughts on the yin and the yang, and how we are moving forward together as a culture with those two things in play, and what he has coming up next in his creative life. Please do subscribe to the Shakti Hour on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. You can also follow along Shakti Hour on Twitter and send me an email at theshaktihourpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, all information can be found at BeHereNowNetwork.com on the Shakti Hour page. And thanks so much for listening. Jamie, hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. Yes, where are you in the universe? I'm in New York City. I'll be in Paris and the UK a little bit for a few days in in November. I hope you're drinking lots of water. (laughs) From all the traveling? Yeah, you and my acupuncturist both. I don't know what you know about the Shakti Hour, but I know um, basically what the Shakti Hour started as was for me, I had been in a, a one spiritual community and I there's a lot of women in it. It was very, very communal. And then I had to leave that and and landed in the landed with Ramdas, literally summer of twenty fifteen. I was with him. He went into the hospital in, in August and I came from my private retreat and he was in the hospital. So I spent this whole week with him in the hospital and got this really, you know, really intimate and very uh, personal and a lot of time with him because Dasima, you know, needed to to go (laughs) sometimes and people had to be with him. So, so I landed there and then, and then I moved to Paris and I just felt this gap in having women to talk to about my spiritual life. So I, st- I asked Raghu if I could do a podcast on women and spirituality. Then on and on, it, then I started last year this series on sacred music and the feminine voice so that I could start <laughs> finding a way to bring men into the conversation 
and not just be, I got my, I got satiated. <laughs> I had enough time just talking to women and I, I felt really strong about it. So, but I wanted to honor the, the, you know, intention behind the podcast. And, and so I introduced that as kind of a, a way to, without making a deal of it, bring men into the conversation. You know, there's, there's so many offerings on the, on the Be Here Now network, and I, I feel so delighted to be a part of it. But, you know, it really is, and maybe this is a, a great place for us to start. You know, Ramdas, the cultural icon, you know, has lived, spanned so many decades, his, his teaching, his life, you know, from uh, being a young boy in the middle of the Depression <laughs> to being this figure in the, in the, greatest cultural revolution so far in the U.S. in the 60s to still being here for us today. There's something about that spiritual relationship or with him that's so personal, right? So anybody can kind of have this really personal thing with him. So maybe it's worth it to just share a little bit how, how that began for you. Um. You know, I grew up in, you know, as we all did, in quite an inauthentic childhood. Most of us were kind of shoehorned into a bunch of agreements and models and rules that would would be considered borderline abusive now. You know what I mean? No one would even bring their kids up that way anymore. And so I guess, you know, I wasn't alone in that, you know, we were never look vulnerable, never fail, keep up appearances, all the sort of wrong rules of success. So I guess when I first heard him, when I when I was like about 20, um, it was such a contrast of humanity and authenticity, and particularly through the humour, which the mischievous humour for me is where life is where the lifeblood of wisdom. And uh, it really hit me hard. And I just like uh, just you know just fell fell in love, literally, with how I felt listening to him and the sense he was making in the attitude he was making it. It was the, it was it was every bit as much about the attitude as it was about the content. Do you remember what that initial talk was that you heard? No, it would have been a cassette. You know, some of the things he was talking about, like. You know, it's the things where he uses his own mess as the cautionary tale, which is what I aspire to do in my stuff. Uh, is to, the more of a fool you can be, the more you can keep popping the holy bubble. Yeah. Pop any possibility of anyone projecting onto you that you're Captain Special and keep being more ridiculous each time, but still very tenderly saying the truth and something that it's a great art. You know, it's the sacred fool, the sacred clown. It's been sacred all the way back through Shakespeare and further in shamanism, you know, the trickster. I saw a post on your, on your, on your webpage about, it says the picture is, Hey idiot, I love you. (laughs) Exactly. Is that, it's in that spirit of what you're Exactly. It's like, it's like giving up all the pretense that we're all so special or that I might get offended by that, or that's not really me. All those kind of bullshit shop window roles. I just, I'm not even interested to play the games or do the processes with that part of the person. I, I'm not even speaking to that person. If I'm working one-on-one or with a group, it's like, I'm talking to the one that would be fine with, hey, idiot, I love you. 
And if, if, if that part of them isn't awake, there's very little point in doing anything else until it is. And that part being this, the distance between the role and the soul, to use Ramdas's terms, is that what you mean? Or That kind of thing. The part that's awake, that isn't busy, that isn't competitive, that isn't anxious, that isn't working it, that isn't mm. fake. And I don't want to use fake even in that judgmental way because it, we've worn the masks so long, most people don't even know the difference to themselves, let alone what they're presenting to other people. So it's, there's nothing to be mean about, you know. <laughs> it's like inevitable, it's maths. Right. And so this cassette that you that came into your life in your 20s, was that, where was that in the timeline of your career? Because you've had a, quite a big arc of uh, yeah. different kinds of success so when did that where was that entering in in your career <laughs> different kinds of success barry write that one down um, <laughs> um that could be such a great backhanded compliment like from spinal tap oh, i know, I know, I know i'm I not british i'm not british so i genius writing that's brilliant. Anyway, um, before I was in this group called, I used to be in this group called Faithless. In I, meant, I meant it as a real compliment. So I know I'm, you did. I know okay. you did. I'm just like having some fun. Okay, good. That's just, my characters like also edit it that way. It's fun. Um, the dark corner. Um, so, yeah, um, I was in a group. I was in a, a super successful group in the second half of my 20s. But before that, I was in a not very successful group which was sort of hippies with purple waistcoats singing gospel rock and roll. And we were successful in our own way, you know, going around the country, mm -hmm. a few hundred people here and there, but it wasn't like released properly or anything like that. But during that time, I was really touched, you know, like the lyrics I was writing and the, my best friend had just died when I was 20. I was also battling with extreme panic attacks, which I didn't even know were called panic attacks. They didn't really have that word yet. Um, and it was all just like quite an intense time between the age of 18 to 25. Um, and it was in that period, like early in that period, like 2021 20, or something, when 22, when I was in a naked yoga class in London somewhere, you know, joining in with lots of different things. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, in lying on the ground at the end, he, they were just playing one of his tapes. And I just, I remember, I'm one of those people that I'm a bit nerdy around books and other artists. When I find something that I love, I get a bit sort of spectrum on it and sort of like I then have to read all of them in the order they wrote them or I have to, do you know what I mean? I have to sort of get all the work of that artist um, and fully immerse myself in it, whether it's a spiritual one like Roundass or a writer like Paul Auster or, you know, just certain people when you find that magic that, that kindles something, oh, wow, they're one of mine. I want to, I'm quite thorough. And uh, so, like, I just, you know, really immersed myself in all the books and any tape I could find and just fell more and more in love. And then over the next couple of years, luckily, I saw that he, at exactly the month that I accidentally got my girlfriend pregnant when I was 25, um, I read that he was coming to England to do, like, a proper two-week immersion in a boarding school that I'd rented. So I was like, I signed up for that immediately. And that was the first thing I ever went off on my own to do just by myself ever in my life. So that is some <clears throat> pretty intertwined karma in the timelines there. Can you, I want to back up just for a second. Can you reflect on what happened to the anxiety when you were hearing him speak? 
I'm not really sure. And how did it register as a cue to you, as a as a cure? Excuse me, to you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just think the kind of person that it called forth in me was the only mm -hmm. one that was ever going to discover the self care and consciousness to be with panic attacks. Huh. Right. So it was like a reflection. It reflected a part of you back to yourself that could then help you move forward. Yeah, I guess when I listen to him. The one in me who can handle anything is called forth by listening to him. It's like that's the one he's speaking to. Just like when I work one-on-one -on -one with someone, I'm only speaking to that one. So that one can't help but come forth, the one that's awake and wise and kind and can handle it completely, whatever's going on. That's the only person I ever speak to in a session. The other ones are for you to look after and for me to say, hey, can you hear what she needs? And yeah, they're not negated. But the person I'm speaking to is the awake one in you. And that's who he's speaking to. So that awake one in me arises in, because that's who he's talking to. Right. right. That's really, really, really beautifully put. So do you think your relationship to music and, and being a creative person gave any template for that as well, that reflective? Certainly everything I've tried to express through my music, my films, books, you know, everything has been the same medicine, exactly the same transmission with lots of different costumes. But the, the engine, the heart that runs it is the efficient delivery of that awakening message, that calling forth that part of people efficiently as well as I can, whether whatever image will do it or, or soundbite or a bit of music or combination mm -hmm. that will make the viewer have that experience of being awake and in love. Uh, and I don't mean in soppy love, I mean in that conscious could be the raw agony of love, you know, the, but the total, total presence of right here. Um, that's just what I want to deliver through my art and music and, and everything else. And I think one, one Ramdas has been a big stripe of that rainbow because he represents exactly that authenticity, the pure gold that I want to see delivered. Um, he's not the only thing, but yeah, he's a huge one and, or his message. And, yeah, when I am, when I'm working in that way, I am, how can I put it? I've had so many, one, I've had so many bumps that I've survived, but also his attitude of like no big deal, that it's all like we're making a great big fucking performance about nothing you know what i mean it's just all blown out of proportion and just like popping the bubble of the grandiosity of our special path it's it frees me as an artist to just put out a lot of things that sometimes people don't like it allows me to be marmite you know a lot of people don't have the vulnerability to put their work out their films music whatever i put it all out there because i don't i'm i'm immune to the word no like i know half the people won't like it but a lot of people can't live with that fact that half the people won't like it before you begin. Like, so they start over-editing it or trying to make it perfect. It's too vulnerable for people not, not to like our stuff. But if you don't mind people not liking it and you just, you're, you're there for the people that will like it. Um, and he, he makes me free, feel free in that, that none of what I put out or don't put out or where mm. it goes is that important. It's not, again, it's not grandiose. I just do my best, create as many positive ripples and effects as I possibly can in one human life, totally open-handedly, knowing that what really happens is up to God and like 
take my food and do whatever whoever's hungry but like it's not oh that person didn't go deep enough you know it's not like that it's just like whatever can get through I'll get through but not question the stuff that doesn't get through yeah I've often often reflected on that pretty much Ramdas's role since LSD has been to just be you're tripping <laughs> You're tripping, you know, like, calm down, like, you're tripping, like, it's, there, you're just, that's basically, in, a, in, in much more sophisticated ways, obviously, because of his education and his depth of study and practice and investigation and dedication to the path. But that's the simple teaching is basically what you're telling me about what freed you was like, don't trip out. you know share yourself with the world and turn towards everything that was the other thing turn towards everything yeah i mean i just like mm -hmm. i teach like a lot of shadow workshops and stuff and 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 people mix up they think shadow is the dark side instead of the hidden side you know what people have mm -hmm. in their shadow is a lot of beautiful things it's whatever's been hidden away and made unwelcome in your childhood not the dark side is your shadow side it's the hidden side hidden away in the shadows so a lot of people's beautiful creative sides and a beautiful flamboyant entertainer and big personality and beautiful sharing of life and vibrancy is very much in the shadow so it's, it's very much not just the dark things um and a lot of people have lived so religiously by the edits they made in themselves when they were little to maintain the love connection. Mm. They put a little bodyguard there each time they did one, age five, age six, age seven, and like that age that you took that pain and shut that door forever to never let me feel shame again, never let me look ugly again, never me look, laughed at, whatever. Um, people live so religiously that they've, they've looked away for so long that these these parts of themselves have become like phantom monsters in their mind because they haven't looked at it for 30 years. You know, they just, they don't even want to turn towards it even a fraction because it's like, no, 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 you know, like, and that's the beautiful thing about this. It's such low-hanging fruit that just a tiny quarter turn towards this stuff and it's actually these little beautiful bits of treasure returning. It's not a great big punching the pillow for mummy process you know it's very gentle hilarious most of the time sweet intimate tender gorgeous things coming home very low-hanging fruit and it's right. funny how people again have blown this thing into proportion by shadow work or or my story and the dragons around my map uh we made these dragons around this map of ourselves and it's just because we were children and we never really thought about it again right and everything is but big and, and scary or bigger than you and yeah. When you look and, at it as an yeah. adult, willingly, if you if willingness is the key. But if you're just like willing to feel some edge, not huge deep scuba, but just willing to feel a little bit of a snorkeling around the edge, the low-hanging fruit, the treasure that pours back in, those dragons around the edge, one quarter turn towards them, you realize they're just children's chalk drawings of dragons. Mm. And one, and they're gone. So do you think that you would have been willing to sign up for that retreat had you not just encountered this surprise baby on the way being a oh, 20 year old I, I, young man do you think you would have done that regardless yeah it just made it extra perfect and sort of yeah. and like i just like um partly through you know the kind of attitudes of the things like i love like ramdas um and partly because my best friend died when i was 20 as well mm. And when that happened, as tragic as it was, not to sound callous and sociopathic, as tragic as it was, 
it was also like a hall pass. Mm. Like I could do whatever I like now. No one's going to say anything to me about, mm. because I've just said my best friend dies. Like I can just literally do, there's no pressure from anyone for me to do anything. I can just literally do whatever I like. So I started a band. Uh, and um, mm. and that whole attitude of, mm. and also of white male privilege, you know, I'm born into a wealthy background, I'm intelligent, I'm white, I'm male. <laughs> um, I couldn't have more advent- advantage. Um, so things like seeing something come and imagining that I could sign up for it, it was a, the most natural thing in the world. You know, like mm. I went to a school called Westminster, right? Mm. As an artist, um, there's these two schools in England called Westminster and Eton, and they kind of run their own kind of thing, aside from all the schools. And when you're at Westminster, which is basically built onto the ancient thousand-year-old buildings connected to Westminster Abbey, right in the heart of London by Big Ben, when you when you stay there as an artist from 13 to 18, one mile this way, you've got the National Gallery with Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Donatello, everything like that. One mile this way, you've got the Tate Gallery with all the modern and the Rothko and the Pollock and the, you know, everything incredible there. A mile in this direction, you've got the Festival Hall, which is all the classical music of all the orchestras, mm-hmm. all the flamenco that comes in from Spain, all the cream of the Bulgarian mm-hmm. lap chanting music. It's all right there. And a mile in the other direction, you've got Shaftesbury Avenue, which is the West End of London Theatre District. And in this school, basically, any of those things you wanted to, to partake of, you just put your name on the list, what play you wanted to see, what symphony you wanted to see, whatever. And they just got you the tickets and you went and you went after school and you could go. And like for five years, I could have any of those things all the time. Wow. Um, A bit different than my growing up in South Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Where we had to drive three to four hours to Minneapolis or Omaha to catch a band or mm-hmm. I didn't even think of seeing art until... I went to school. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the thing is I didn't even think I had something special. Right. It never occurred to me that I was like, wow, this is fucking unbelievable. So only since I look back, I go, oh my God, how lucky was I that I saw so many symphonies, so many concertos, so many operas, so many plays in the West End with John Malkovich, with Dustin Hoffman, with, you know, <laughs> like, I was just like, I thought it was just like my little, I never realized how lucky I was. Right. So in your book, Insanely Gifted, you you write about um, being addicted to approval, which I think lines up with this a little bit. We are so addicted to approval that we even needed to invent Facebook. Ah, I got 17 likes under my roomie quote. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah, because you can't write down... There is, there, is, there is a, I don't know how you write that. Right. Snort's line of yeah, dopamine approval. Lines. Yeah. There is a funny meme where you see a nose snorting and all these little like symbols going up his nose. So what does it mean to you that, you know, Zuckerberg was at Harvard and he went to Kanchi Dom apparently based on Steve Jobs's recommendation to connect with this guru who was linked to Ramdas, who went to Harvard, who, I mean, there's this, you're, you're revealing this white male privileged mind, yet all of these minds sought out this 
man in a blanket uh, feeding people in the middle of India. Yeah. To access another kind of power or to access... I just think, you know, the same thing everyone's looking at from through drugs. I mean, listen, I don't know what I'm talking about, but just in response <laughs> to... Obviously, with that we've established. But just in response to what you're saying, whether whether there's a spirit world or not, and, and we feel the separation of leaving the oneness and coming down into these individual egos to do whatever we've the hell we've come to do, maybe it's a theme park, um, or whether we're just in an echo of leaving the mother's womb and the safety of being part of something bigger where the food just came in by itself and it was bigger and then suddenly you're in separation with skin suddenly having been in this lovely float tank with no sensations go oh, what is this skin stuff that alone when you're born would be freaky <laughs> uh, let alone the whack on the bum and the bright lights and the nipple and the you know just like how fucking weird um that must be and traumatic like everything that gives us a true sense of connection is like such a relief whether it be a connection to ourselves mm. when we're just in nature and we're just really feeling nothing's triggering us <laughs> um, or a connection with a lover or with friends or mm. our kids. Whenever we feel that sense or to music, a band that we love and we feel that connection to the other people that love them, we feel good. You know, connection is it. And, um, and I think that a lot of people from the Beatles to Zuckerberg to everyone to around us after he tried everything else with drugs and intellectual pursuits, nothing gets you there except presence. That lovely, vulnerable, empty yin mm. surrender, yielding to the yin. Nothing gets you there except yin, uh, which is just being impacting, letting it do you, being moved by the beat, being moved. Mm. The, being moved by God, being the empty cup to be poured into, like the Holy Grail. That's the yin. That's the only thing that gets you there. So no matter what these other guys had, had, had accomplished in their yang, they never have the yin, which is the key to the whole door, because there's no point acting in your yang, being rich, being powerful, using your will in the world. If it's not governed and directed by your yin listening, where your real truth resides in the silence, in the yin, in the emptiness, then <gasps> the truth comes in. You can't miss it. Mm in the yin, then the yin can direct the yang. But all these people, they'd all develop their yang like crazy, but they didn't have the key to the door, which was the yin, the trust, the surrender, the letting go, the yielding, the being moved by something bigger, by the heart, you know? Yeah. Very sweetly stated. And what what is it that has taken us from the yin? Well, how long you got? <laughs> My politics about this are very unpolitically, but not very politically correct. Uh, I love, I love controversy. Well, this is how I kind of see it, and I hope these words don't make it hurt anybody's feelings. Um, I think that women have some have something inside them a kind of magic this is gonna, this is gonna help a lot of people are not going to agree with this so just like i do apologize in advance for the for how maybe inappropriate this is in this day and age i think that women i seemed it seems that just on a, on a material plane on planet earth but while we're doing this like this that women have something inside them that men need which isn't matched the other way around 
men don't have this thing inside them that women need. I mean, they do need each other in lots of different ways, but there's a particular thing that women have, a particular aliveness, a particular connection to, maybe to that connection to spirit that we all lose, maybe by having a womb and actually carrying inside you the doorway between the spirit world and the earth world. Every woman carries a doorway, a fucking stargate between <laughs> heaven and earth in her fucking stomach. I mean, you just have a kind of a life, a kind of a magic through your sexuality as well, which is very connected in some way, has power over men the way men's sexuality just does not have power over women's. It is not equal. There's something wrapped up in all of that magic that men need. And because we haven't had the maturity to know how to balancedly, mutually, respectfully have it, while starving for it, have resorted in their ignorance to the domination, rape, suppression, control of it, and the commodifying of it. Um, because of ignorance of not knowing how to get it in a balanced way. And... Um, so you can't, ironically, you can't chew your own teeth. You can't force yin. It's like it like cancels itself out. The whole point of yin is that you have to receive it. You can't take it. You have to wait for the woman to come towards you if you want to have beautiful lovemaking. I mean, everyone says, oh, I want to be pursued. I want to be swept off my feet, maybe physically. But the energy is actually, from the, I believe, from the woman to the man that says, yes. And when that happens from her towards him, then, of course, yes, let's swing on the chandeliers. But it's actually the thing from the woman to the man, I think, mm. that is really the starting gun or the, the opening of the door or whatever is the yes. Mm. And the receiving of that yes for a man to be given the woman's yes, there's nothing more humbling, more honored, more noble, more anything in the world than to mm. truly receive the woman's yes. But in the absence of knowing how to do that gracefully, intelligently, consciously over much of the planet without wanting to starve to death, men have just had to take it, whether they rip it out of the ground with the oil and the resources mm. or whether they rip the sex from the woman or the, or the yeah. you know. And that's just weirdly where we've got to as a caveman species. And, and, it, and I look at where I've been, in, where I've been born and it looks like after Einstein and Chaplin and Camus and Ramdas and Jesus and Buddha and Thich Han and Pema Chodron and Gabriel Roth, you'd think that by now we would be a lot further along consciousness-wise mm. with all that's come before us and, mm. and all the music that's been played and all the lyrics and all the movies that have expressed love and connection to us. You'd think we'd be further along. And that always baffles me every day how far, how backward and asleep most of the planet's thinking and attitudes are. It's like really awe-inspiringly stupid. <laughs> uh. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that because I, I think it's spot on. Oh. Um, and, and I would add that I do think that there's another aspect to it, which is that the receptivity, because of the because of the violence and the injury, the receptivity is need in need of, of healing. So then, so then there isn't even the, the possibility to for that yes because of I the totally injury. So so many women have so much of the feminine. I'll just say across the board has been injured that that that, that can't yeah. be there. So then I that totally keeps going and going and going. 
and it looks like empowerment (laughs) it looks like empowerment on some level and then and then you're caught in this uh you know Mm -hmm. evolution of of tantra but i'm going to send you a link to this this previous guest of mine who's actually a, a brit as well who has a whole teaching on yoni shakti around uh yoni tantra it's just really brilliant but the, you know, the whole time you're speaking, I'm seeing the image of the, of the lingam in the yoni all, all across India, right? It's always both, you know, <laughs> there's always the two, the one, the, the Shiva coming out of the yoni. There is some, there are some, you know, purely yoni temples that are just like mind blowing when you see them because it's just the female sex organ, which from a Western point of view is like pornography. You know, seeing this for some reason is justified. But if you just see this, the, the, the Yoni temples, it's mind blowing to, to show that, that power and that, that center. Mm -hmm. So all of this is quite, um, quite profound and very relevant to the Shakti hour. But it's funny because, uh, I was, you know, your film, Becoming Nobody, is great but there was a, there was a moment in that where you you're speaking with ramdas and you say you call yourself sex crazed <laughs> part of yourself you say this is one of the aspects of your character and so i'm curious about what your relationship you just shared your perspective on it as a cultural thought line but what is the has your personal relationship to your expression of that shifted as you developed your spiritual and thought life totally totally because love making is the yin parenting is the yin yeah creating music is the yin you let the music come through you know any composer will tell you you hear the melodies you don't generate them it's yin it's pure yin mm-hmm. and parenting is pure yin you know you listen to them and let what you receive from them guide do you have kids well you know it's like that with young people you know you're listening so deeply you become the yin you're the environment around the tomato plant growing into the most beautiful tomato plant it can be you're not penetrating it with your yang molding it mm. be an accountant get a haircut you know you're just letting it lead you know you're <laughs> a servant to the child you know by listening it's yin and lovemaking is the same, you know, like you're so listening so deeply to who you're with, every curve, every sound, every frequency coming in, all the yearning, you're so sensitive to it that listening to their pleasure is what guides every touch and every bit of yang or anything that you do mm. is only at the service to what you've listened for, what has been transmitted by the person you're with of like mm. what they're yearning, what they sound, what they smell, mm. what they say, you know, whatever, you're just, you're only in devotion. And that requires deepest, deepest listening, yin. So it's the yin that directs all the most beautiful lovemaking. So um, again, you know, for me, like when I am totally present, I'm yin. I'm listening to my insides. I know what's true, what's not true. I'm never going to touch someone wrong if I'm if I'm in that space. You know what I mean? Mm. Nothing but the most beautiful lovemaking available is going to happen mm. um, in that in that space. So yeah, I'm and just... then that brings a different satisfaction, right? So the craze, to the addiction, the desire for the, you. I was just saying that word because I remembered you 
mm-hmm. offhandedly saying that in the film, crazed. That craziness, but you know, there's so much craziness. If I, I think what I'm drawing out of what you're sharing is this, you know, like you said, without presence, if you have the presence to that experience, then there is a level of satisfaction that takes the craze away. All things in moderation. I mean, the crazed is good if you're present with the crazed. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> all, all thrills are legit if you're there while they happen, <laughs> I reckon. I mean, they're all legit anyway, do what you like. Uh, but f- from the model I'm trying to be with is like, even if I'm mm. going to be like really unspiritual by most people's standards or carnal or, you know, expressing all the spectrum of who I am in a hopefully unharmful way, I just want to be there while it happens. I don't want to be in spiritual narcolepsy, acting something out where I wake up later like a werewolf. I want to be part of what's going on. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you. Excellent clarification. So so just tell us a little bit about um, uh, why you had to make this film, Becoming Nobody. Like what, what was the inspiration to the realization for you? All the work I've ever done has been trying to bring the best medicine I can possibly bring into the hearts and minds of humans and have as much positive effect and loving awakening effect as I possibly can and uh, intimacy. And um, and around us, you know, One Giant Leap, the, the two One Giant Leap albums were, were like that too, like they were showcasing, look at this, look at that, look at Round Us, look at Eckhart Tolle, look at Brian Eno, look at... Um, Santana playing the guitar, look at this incredible Indian flute master. Look, it was like showcasing the best of the best of the best of all drummers, players, singers, wise people, cultural, tribal stuff. It's like everything that could be possibly amazing. And it's just, and the Ram Dass thing is just like the same as that. It's like mm. when you find it's just the best thing. So you just want to make it so that it's immortalized forever, that long after he's dead, there will always be this thing that if anyone's interested in him or comes across it, um, this wonderful transmission of his beautiful way of saying his particular message of how he says it yeah. funny sweet you get that hit forever it's, it's a, like a bottle of medicine that lasts forever that's such a nice gift and it just it just is i'm seeing the visual image of the naked yoga cassette tape <laughs> to here and this you're leaving a cassette tape you know you made us yeah. a like a a playlist um, for the future. Yeah. I really love that image and and carrying it through through your life into this moment. And I really love this the sweetness of your relationship that you showed in the film and and your willingness to be honest and vulnerable with him in that moment. And I'm wondering about um, <laughs> the the scene where uh, you're talking to him about silencing the mind or whatever and he says i'm sorry i didn't write it down but he says that's true that's true and then you kind of go back and forth with him a little bit well how has your can you tell us a little bit about that scene and then tell us like if if your perspective has shifted since that moment well there's a few things about that there's a funny moment just when i just like being what the jews would call like chutzpah Mm. with with the jewish grandfather uh-huh. you know it's sort of just being extra cheeky um where i say when he, he interrupts me and i go well oh, maybe you know 
if you just listen, right, I think you'll find my my theory more advanced, Ramdas, if you'll just listen, you know, just like yeah. being naughty. Yeah. Um, but there was a bit like where I think the content of thoughts is more interesting than he does. Yeah. Because when you're a younger man and you're living a life with your mother triggering you this way or your girlfriend triggering you that way or your boss triggering you this way or your relationship to your money or your drugs or your kids, you know, there are a lot of different things on the menu which are illuminating and diverse. We're not all sitting in a chair looking out to sea in Maui every right. day. Right. So there's a lot of diverse things which are interesting about being a human. And so the content of thoughts is interesting to me because I believe that my life with a capital L, life's genius, is trying to bring me towards self-care mm. and towards self-mending. And so it just doesn't know how to do anything except make itself whole. You scratch it, it covers over. You break a bone, it makes itself whole. The whole thing's trying to unedit whatever I edited and come back to wholeness and maybe wholeness with the big one. You know, maybe it's all like one big unifying mending thing. So the content of my thoughts always shows me the legitimate need underneath that I might not have been attending to. And therefore, there's always a signpost to self-care in whatever's going on that's uncomfortable. There's always a signpost to self-care in a way that I must have been missing. Mm. It might be about getting some more space, some more boundaries, drinking more water, uh, lots of things. But, but there will always, in whatever's difficult that's going on, the content of the thoughts will direct me towards how is this a training? How is it reminding me to self-care? How is it reminding me to probably be more honest in a way that I'm not being? Um, how is it pain, more painful because of my painful past? What are the gifts I can share with others? I'm creating my own ancient Taoist mythology, and I call that the unpretentiously named five golden keys of alchemy. If you ask those five questions to whatever is going on, you're going to get a harvest, not just neutralized pain. You're going to get the point behind mm. it. Mm. Now, for Ramdas, totally understandably, his vibe at the moment is, is not dealing with the psychotherapeutic channel two version of that. <laughs> his is just go straight to the soul, just go straight to loving kindness. But for, for a lot of people who are on the kind of path where they're kind of working stuff out and that's like where they're at, which is maybe more like beginner level or whatever you want to call it it's really kind of useful to know about the different characters in your head so that you can tell the difference between you and your slave driver. Because until you know about your slave driver, then when you hear that voice going, oh, you haven't done any yoga this week. If you don't know about your slave driver, you think that's truth. You think that that's actually a legitimate voice being mean yeah. to you and you, you take it as truth. It's only when you know that, oh shit, we've all internalized the slave driver so that you can know the difference between you and the slave driver, until you have that piece of information, you're going to be really bogged down in your life. You know, everyone is. So like, I think that the content of thoughts is more interesting than he does. Do you think that this has to do with like shame and worry, like needing to sift through that? I mean, I, as you were sharing that, I was just thinking, I mean, these guys blew their heads off with powerful LSD that was like probably not even accessible to us. So <laughs> they may have burned through. Um, <laughs> some of these, some of these um, lines of thought that we actually have to harvest. I love using that word. I love that you use the word harvest. Mm. 
I mean, do you think it has to do with that at all? I mean, that's just like a total speculation. <laughs> From one perspective, like this, all these different channels, there's all these different ways of looking at it. And from one way of looking at it, yeah, from his filter of looking at it, it's all just soul and da 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 da. And that's totally legitimate if you want to put those glasses on. If you want to go on these glasses where everyone's running around trying to be better humans with each other, then these glasses are useful for the different roles we play and the blah blah blah. If you want to just look at, I need to get as much money and survival and comfort for myself, which is where the majority of the population of the planet live. Got it. I need to preserve my comfort zone. And I don't see anything other than, than the comfort zone or not the, or something that threatens the comfort zone, the bank balance, you know, or other people are just in status, you know, like, does this make me look good or does this make me look bad? It's all true depending on where you're looking from. Got it. Got it. Right. It's all true depending on where you're looking from. And, and then you're giving people the option to choose the truth. <laughs> so. If it says to me, you haven't done any of this this week, I can get some space and decide, is that true? Yeah. Is that truth or is that some, is that the, would you call it the slave well, maybe driver? Maybe if it's truth, do I deserve the exasperated self-harming energy that comes with it? It might be true that I've done no yoga this week, but it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm a bad girl. Right. <laughs> I deserve that kind of exasperated, shitty treatment. Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that if, if one's forgotten one's self-care and sweetness, it means one's in the process of spiritual narcolepsy. You just haven't realized you're fast asleep. If you're treating yourself like that and, and believing it, you're asleep. Right. I, I, yeah, I, was, I remember the a conversation I had with Ramdas and we were going over my family and my childhood and blah, blah, blah. And he said, everything, every zero to three is everything, right? Age zero to three is everything. And I was like, <laughs> and then, and then he said to me, but uh, now I just live here now. Yeah. Which then is that channel changing that you're talking about where he's, he's like, you can do that or you can just be here now with me and, and be a soul and, and be in your heart and be in the moment. Yeah. Which yeah. you can do for a lot of the day, you know, like when you drive, <laughs> yeah, when you drive home from wherever you work, maybe it's what a forty-minute drive or yeah. Well, I usually walk because I'm in Manhattan, but but it's probably about a thirty thirty-five minute walk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that thirty-five minutes, you can think about what you've got to cook when you get home for dinner, or I hope I'm not late for the thing I've got to get changed and then have to, to, to go to the thing. Or you kind of think about that thing that just happened and, oh, I wonder if I'd said that differently. You can go on that walk, as I'm sure you do, thinking about all those kinds of things. Or you can look at every paving stone, every tree, every cloud and have a totally now experience because all that brain fucking while you're walking along isn't really amounting to anything. You're still going to get changed at the same speed you get changed when you get home and go to the theatre. You're still going to cook the same thing that was always sitting in the fridge that you were going to cook. None of it needs to be run through. <laughs> the way we the way we do so like there's just every opportunity to spend quite a lot of the day in the now i mean obviously there's all kinds of times where you've got to be planning stuff or whatever but i've noticed like i drive on the motorway a lot and i look at some of the trees up by the side at the top of the concrete and i think these trees never get appreciated 
or even really noticed. They're not even, they're up on the side of the motorway. Everyone's looking at the motorway. They happen to be these dotted trees. God knows why they planted them there, you know, but I thought, you know, I'm going to acknowledge every single tree on this motorway. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. Um, I'm sure they appreciated it. <laughs> they appreciated it, but I just had kind of a borderline ecstatic experience yeah. just getting off on the fact that that's what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, and just the now it was so Taoist in a way. It was so like f pure. It was for nothing. It had that nothing other than itself. But just for that very reason, it was really liberating. Yeah, to let go of the to do list and actually just really be here now. So, what do you want to do next? I mean, you've made a film with your, you know, spiritual teacher. You've recorded albums you've played music you've made beautiful films what um you've written book what do you feel pulled to do now or what are you working on now to to do this expression and share this love and truth and beauty with people not sure but what seems to be happening the third we were going to do a third one giant leap project around the world but it's such a big thing to do it's it costs millions. It takes three years of your life. Mm. It's epic. It's, um, I mean, Duncan haven't worked together since the last one for like 10 years because it was it nearly broke both our lives. You know, the last, the second one, the first one was, was effortless. The second one just finished us. Mm. Um, so there's a film that I didn't finish, which actually was the reason why I made the Ram Dass film, or what was made me kick me up the ass to, to do it, make sure I finished it, was when Gabrielle died, when Gabrielle Roth died in New York, who was the woman that invented the five rhythms, the wave. Mm -hmm. I really loved her. And I was, she was like massively brilliant in both the One Giant Leap movies. She's like the queen of one giant leap. You know, she's mm. just the wisest, feistiest, most hilarious woman that ever lived. Mm. And um, I've got lots of interviews I've done with her and stuff where we followed her around. We decided to do a film about her essence, a bit like the Ramdas film, but about her. Mm. But I never finished it. She died and then I didn't finish it. And, you know, but then rooting around some stuff on my computer when we was finishing off the Ramdas film, I found this folder with like two hours worth of really well edited stuff from the Gabrielle movie. It's like, wow, I really, I had done a lot more on that film than I remember doing. Or maybe the, 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 the pixies and the goblins of the, who were usually cobbling shoes, the, the shoemaker and the elves, that's right. You know that story? Maybe the, the, the editing yeah. elves have come in and, and done a lot more work on the project while I was busy. But, but there's kind of a lot of good stuff. And then and Duncan... I showed some to Duncan and he was like, wow, that's pretty good. And then while I was away, he sent me a message saying, send me all the Gabrielle stuff. Why don't we finish the Gabrielle film before we do a One Giant Leap? And it'll be our way of easing back into working together. And so we've kind of started finishing that film. It's so funny. She's so brilliant. Uh, you, if you don't know Gabrielle Roth's stuff or how she talks and stuff, just find her on YouTube or whatever. She's really feisty and brilliant and in her own way a very yang but yin woman and uh it's all about being moved by the beat you know it's all about saying i don't know it's all about being curious it's all about yin mm. but with the f word thrown in quite a few times 
<laughs> right. Keeping it alive. Well, that would be a beautiful offering because I feel like, um, you know, the body is something that really connects us to the earth. And in this time where we're, you know, coming to terms with our past relationship with the earth, it, it may be quite nice to expose some more people to that possibility of connecting in with the body in a new way that I think connects us to living together on and planet breathing, earth especially. and breathing and, and, you know, wanting to breathe, <laughs> which mm. some people apparently don't think is a big important thing to do. But, um, well, that sounds wonderful, Jamie. I, I really, really, really appreciate you taking time to talk to me because I just think it's so cool that um, we all get to be here now with this teacher who is still here. And, you know, it's like really a gift to have a, a teacher over the span of their lives um, and you getting to know him and, and study with him pre-stroke. And then now to come and be with him at this chapter in his life, I think is really, really like a, a, a delicacy of, of, uh, of the path. And so I'm super, super grateful for your work and putting that together and pulling all that footage together and making a beautiful offering. And um, if you wouldn't mind, if you have any, anything to close, if you have any recommendations for our Shakti Sacred Music series any 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 women's voices in music um you just mentioned gabrielle roth who, who is you know not a musician but any musical uh, recommendations any particularly? yeah well i i, I don't want to actually talk about women so much in music although there are wonderful ones i'd rather talk about women that i think are teaching some brilliant stuff and gathering other women in great ways fantastic that would be really great uh, there's a woman in Australia called Bonnie Bliss okay. who does the universe, who's reconnecting women with their relationships with their body in a really beautiful, funky, juicy, live, wonderful way. There's a woman I work with in the UK called Ruby May, and she has a whole load of beautiful stuff working with women. Her course at the moment is called Know Your Flow and takes women through their cycle and actually how you will be in your body, how you will feel in your life, you know, like so that you can really be in harmony with your cycle and your moon. And we also teach a workshop together called Bitches and Bastards. Uh, transforming, <laughs> transforming the dark side of relationship into intimacy bliss. When is the next one of those? We're at 2020. We, we, if, we, if we get an opportunity to do it in America, we come straight over because we were thinking it'd be fun, to, fun one to do in America. Uh, it's always quite a lively workshop, that one. Um, also, uh, Roman Norris is another woman in England who who's just very, very forward thinking and training a lot of people on, on parenting mm. and on how to really, really be in proper connection with your children and get the most out of them and then get the most out of you and languaging and all kinds of things. She's an expert in. She's like, incredibly powerful. Um, I'm sure I've left someone obvious out. But yeah, more. Oh, Vilrike Sophia, yeah, in Holland. W I L R I E K E Sophia. She runs all these amazing cuddle workshops and the and just everything to do with intimacy mm. um, in, in a very, again, in a very juicy, human, 
these are the people who are doing it as a, like a human, like we're talking now. They're not like offering special temple arts for the new goddess of this. You know, it's not drenched in nonsense. <laughs> Fantastic. Those are wonderful recommendations. And we'll put uh, all those names and links on the Shakti Hour page at BeHereNowNetwork.com. And you can find Jamie at JamieCato.com and at Becoming, yeah. Becoming Nobody film is that the address becoming nobody film i think it's just becoming nobody.com and and if you want to come and find me online and do the 40 days and 40 nights into the maze of the sacred fool you go to academy of the sacred fool.com as well that's if you want to sort of do the online version you can't come to where i am oh fantastic academy of the sacred fool oh, we didn't even get into that <laughs> but i really really appreciate your time and and your offerings and it's so lovely to get to speak with you here Thank you, Jamie. Wonderful. See you soon. Thanks for having me. Namaste. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.